Welcome to this episode of Miss Law Explains Things. Welcome back to another episode of Miss Law Explains Things. This is episode 11, right? So I think I'm going to be actually taking a backtrack back to some of our firms and decisions discussion. So I've been looking at a couple of uh, essay questions recently and one really caught my eye. It was talking about whether or not the UK should actually uh, move back to a basically a nationalised uh, model for its public transport industry. And it made me realize that actually, right, a lot of us do not really understand what are some of the relative merits uh, of each of the models, right? So a lot of people may say that actually, you know, we tend to privatize or we expose the industry to competition in the hopes that it will no longer be ex inefficient or complacent, right? Because because of a lack of competition, right, and it's very similar to actually the monopoly market structure. As we move from oligopoly to monopoly, there tends to be a sense of like complacency among some of these firms because they don't have to produce at their minimum efficient scale or they don't have to produce at their minimum uh, long-run average cost, right? So there's a lot of X inefficiency and that might be an argument for privatizing. But does it necessarily mean that when you privatize, firms will become more efficient, Right. Or will it mean that they actually may find it more difficult to deal with some challenges, for example, rising costs? Therefore, on the other hand, is it possible that nationalisation or governmental support might offer a better solution? So this is what the UK actually has been talking about. Like, should they be moving back to a nationalised, so means revert back to a nationalised uh, public transport industry? And there's a lot of strong parallels also to a lot of essential industries, whether it's in the UK or it's in Singapore. So if we actually kind of notice, right, utilities, for example, public transport, these require a lot of capital investment. That requires a lot of maintenance of vital infrastructure in order for these essential services to actually take place. So to some extent, we might actually argue that there's a bit of like a natural monopoly, let's say in the utilities uh, utilities example. And only recently has Singapore Power actually started to uh, sell right part of its grid, right, the use of its grid, to actually different electricity retail companies. So basically now we realize there's been a market liberalization to some extent uh, in the retail electricity market. So very similarly, this has also taken place in a lot of public transport sectors in many different countries. So today's article I'm looking at in context is from Today Singapore and it says, as LTA is operating deficit balloons, it's time to rethink bus subsidies, right? So LTA basically is the government agency that is managing all of our public transport systems and they said that the operating deficit has ballooned almost 3.6 times over the past 5 years from 672 million to 2412 billion uh, 2.412 sorry billion largely due to the introduction of the bus contracting model Alright, so the Transport Minister, Ko Boon recently has said that there's a need for higher public transport fares, saying that it would be unsustainable to continue relying on government subsidies to fund public infra- transport infrastructure. Alright, so that means there's been a lot of governmental support actually for the public transport industry in Singapore. Okay, but that does not necessarily translate into, you know, affordable fares or good service. So that's actually a question that we want to answer today. Okay, so they realise that under this particular model, right, the government owns all operating assets, is responsible for buying and replacing the buses, and collects fare revenue. While on the other hand, the transport firms that we are very familiar with, such as Go Ahead, so some of the green buses, Tower Transit, SMRT buses, and SBS Transit, they will bid 
to run a root parcel for a fixed sum over a set period. So there seems to be a little bit of a balance between competition and governmental support. Right, so taking in all of these government grants, however, right, they've realized that they've been actually running an operating deficit. So sort of like a loss. But this kind of like doesn't really make sense. So like why are they loss making? Even though there's been like so many uh rights, for example, on buses and trains and basically public transport collectively. So what is happening? Is it that is it possible that actually the costs are so high, right, of actually operating public transport that they are offsetting any revenue that they're earning? It's not that, you know, the number of people using public transport is going down. No, definitely not. Right? The demand, the revenue is definitely there. But is it something about the cost? So this $3.5 billion to $4 billion Singapore dollar investment by the government was supposed to translate into higher service levels for commuters, including more frequent buses. So that means the government is actually pumping a lot of resources into public transport in the hope that all of these firms, the Tower Transit, ETC, SBS, right, will actually provide higher service levels to commuters. But analysts say that there is no telling if bus operation costs remain at those levels after the five-year period. So that means it's not going to be very sustainable. So even if that you do invest $3.5 the returns right, of this supposed uh, investment by the government may not be very high. Okay, so this came on the back of this. Recently, they have just included this $1.1 billion five-year bus service enhancement program, which has put on the roads 80 bus services and 1,000 new buses. So this is all like investment in physical infrastructure. And this is something, right, that basically a private firm may not be willing to shoulder this particular cost. I mean, they're okay with operating, you know, the entire bus, you know, network. But in terms of actually, like, you know, getting new buses, you know, kind of coming up with new bus services, you know, realizing where there's a need right all of these things whose responsibility is it actually okay so this actually leads me to this particular point in this article which says that a world-class system comes with a price tag okay so there needs to be greater discussion over the right share of public transport expenditure that should be paid by commuters right because this is this is actually a very important issue because this is about income inequality inclusive growth people being able to afford essential services their material standard of living the ability to consume goods and services in particular public transport right so urban transport expert right uh, Park Byung Jun from the SUSS said so far we have been complaining about a lack of bus services but we haven't really discussed what level of service we want to have how much it would cost and how to fund it so the Associate Professor Park said that about 60% of the cost of operating Singapore's bus system is borne by taxpayers. And is that necessarily a fair thing? Should 60% of the cost of operating Singapore's bus system be borne by the average taxpayer? Right. It's also said that it's time for us to think about containing the cost by looking into operational efficiency to lighten the financial burden or to seek society's view on whether the spending is justified. So you could think about this entire article, right? What a question could be is discuss whether right, government spending on uh, Singapore's public transport industry is justified. Or another question I could think of is discuss whether or not right, there needs to be greater competition in this particular industry. So we can think about what are the benefits and costs of introducing competition. Right, so they go on to say that if you see public transport as vital infrastructure, then it is the government's responsibility to provide this infrastructure. Right, so this is actually kind of sharing of responsibility. Whose responsibility is it? So, for example, we build roads, right, because it creates a very obvious economic effect. Right, so all of these roads allow us to transport goods and services, transport people. 
right? And it's necessary for investment and, you know, the production of goods and services. So even if we spend $1 billion, it is $1 billion well spent. They're talking about building roads, right? On the other hand, right, some of the transport economies have questioned if expenditures are cost-effective and whether such resources should be allocated to more important things. How I see this is, are you incurring an opportunity cost by actually subsidizing the public transport industry at the expense of other areas of government expenditure, for example, like, healthcare and education. So is it so important? Is it really an essential good or service that, you know, we have to give up resources being allocated to other things? So they said that it's not really a problem of fair revenue, which is why I said earlier, right? That means it's not that, oh, no one is taking the bus or the train. They are. The problem is the cost. They are unable to contain the cost. Right? The, the real problem they said with public transport is that we have prioritized service quality and reliability, and this has been very expensive to achieve. That means there's not very high levels of efficiency. So back to what I said just at the start of this podcast. Does it mean that if you have governmental support, right, there's going to be, you know, greater or lower efficiency? We actually don't really know. Like, it doesn't mean that, oh, if I give the... It, because the government is actually supporting, oh, all of my R&D, helping to subsidize, you know, my uh, physical capital uh, infrastructure investment, does that mean that necessarily I'm going to have better service and lower prices? Not necessarily, and this is exactly the same issue that the UK is also facing. Does it mean that if I allow all of these firms to, you know, provide uh, public transport in my country, does it mean that it's going to ultimately lead to higher consumer welfare? And higher consumer welfare is measured in terms of the prices that we pay as well as our variety and quality of services that are provided. So elaborating in Singapore's case at least, right, they said that an important part of contracting is the service quality requirements. So they say if the government desires fewer services to be run, right, costs will automatically fall. That means basically if you're going to have less bus services, less routes, of course, automatically you will have less costs. But they said that finding the right balance between service quality and cost is also difficult. Right? And he said that higher costs could be a result of the many different objectives in the initial phases of adopting this bus contracting model pointing out that the priority then was to introduce meaningful competition to the two incumbents here. That means basically the two uh, incumbent firms were SBS and SME. Incumbent means the firms that already, like, you know, kind of like had this foothold in the industry. And then we had the Tower Transit and then we had the uh, go-ahead buses. Basically, the green buses have come in to introduce competition. So it's a very complex contracting model, but... I think there's a lot of important insights that we can draw from it. So they said that because of this meaningful competition, more emphasis was placed on quality than beyond pure cost. They said, but today, what is more important is actually the cost containment. So that is the, the actually the enduring issue, signaling that cost should go down subsequently. And it takes a very long time to kind of work out this right balance. It is not unusual for prices to change over time because people, are, the incumbents, the SBS and the... Uh, SMRT are trying to cope with the increasing costs, right? So, transport analyst says that the government has to be vigilant in saving some costs. It means the government also has to take some kind of responsibility, right? So, we have to take out some of the costs, right? Such that the bulk of messengers won't notice very much. So, 
Basically, this is another way of looking at reasons for government intervention. So why is the government intervening in this particular industry? There is some form of government intervention. I'm not saying there's total government intervention. Like Total government intervention would be like a completely nationalized industry. But in Singapore, it's slightly more complex. There is a bit of a competitive element in the form of like, you know, SBS, SMRT, Tower Transit and go-ahead buses. Basically, they are kind of competing for, you know, fixed parcels of routes over a set period of time after that they keep bidding for all so there is some kind of competition but there's also some form of government intervention because the government perceives public transport as an essential good or service right so therefore it actually comes in right and actually helps to shoulder some of the burden okay so they said that for example uh one or two buses can be taken out of the equation that travel towards the cbd right and he noticed that buses moving in the city are jam-packed but buses traveling opposite direction often relatively empty so he gave this suggestion maybe have lower frequency can be applied to certain time belts that means you don't have to have so many buses all the time which i think is actually a feasible and a more cost efficient way also of going about uh, in terms of reducing costs uh. at the same time they said society should do some soul searching to decide what fraction of the cost should to be covered by taxpayers ought to be right so that means that, you know, as taxpayers, right, technically some of our tax revenue is going towards subsidizing public transport, but how much of it should go there in at the expense of something else, right? So there's been a lot of unhappiness recently when there's been a fair hike of 7% to narrow the gap between expenditure and income, right? So expenditure, right, they say it should come down next year, but there's still a big gap. So basically they feel that the people who benefit the most from having... A world-class transport system such as those living very near to the MRT should subsidize a greater part of the cost. This is actually a very interesting idea in this decision-making framework. Who should bear the greater burden? We've already talked about a lot about incidents of taxation. But in terms of this particular argument, right, who should bear the burden of increased expenditure on this uh public transport actually should be the people who benefit the most right from the public transport those people who use it most intensively those who actually stay closest to mrt stations or these major bus interchanges because they are the ones that get the most benefit so should be should they also be the one that bear the greatest cost this is a very interesting question right and he concludes this article by saying that a mechanism could be set to redirect the monies from land auctions at such sites which contribute to the government revenue towards subsidizing public transport expenditure right so i think this particular article has actually exposed a lot of important things which is are there relative merits of nationalization or government intervention to some extent right versus privatization so i would see nationalization as like this is like complete government intervention the government actually kind of owns the entire owns the entire industry which is actually what the uk is actually considering right now they haven't actually done it but they're considering it so they're considering actually taking over the entire industry because they realize that if they were to keep it in the control of all of these private firms because they're profit maximizing they tend to charge very high prices right they hold the consumers hostage they practice all this price discrimination and prices are very high and service quality is also very low Right, because maybe there's not enough uh, regulation or oversight over these uh, particular firms. So they are trying to move towards nationalization because they feel that this will give them greater control over the service level as well as the price level. But on the other hand, Singapore actually takes a slightly different stance. We are not at nationalization or complete privatization. So we're not at the extreme ends. We're somewhere in the middle, a bus contracting model. So we actually have some form of government intervention in the form of subsidies. But at the same time, 
we also ensure that there's some sort of meaningful competition or healthy competition that's taking place. So that means the firms are providing the public transport service, right? They are still incentivized to keep costs low. They are still incentivized to provide quality service, but they are actually facing a very big problem now, which is rising costs, right? So actually this rising cost, to some extent, it is their responsibility to kind of deal with it. But they might deal with it, right, in terms of cutting the wages, for example, of some of their bus drivers, right? Or they might, for example, kind of like not maintain the bus or something. They might just cut down on some variable costs because fixed cost is already kind of incurred regardless of the units of like the number of bus rides that they operate, the number of like bus, uh, bus rides yes, that they operate, okay? But we realize that actually, you know, now it's the question for Singapore is like whose responsibility is it to actually absorb the higher costs? And if that cost is not absorbed, will it actually be passed on to the consumer? And is that necessarily fair? How does that affect uh, income inequality at a micro level? And at a more macro level, the same thing, but said in a different way, is inclusive growth. So I actually find this particular question of public transport, right? Whether it's being financed by the government, partially financed by the government, or actually, you know, the, the private firms are also taking an active role. Shared responsibility is a very central theme, I think. Uh, in a lot of uh, economic models and economic issues that we've been discussing recently. So I invite you to contrast nationalization right, versus privatization. Is one necessarily better? Okay, thank you and I will look forward to my next episode.